Good to be together. Those of you that are watching from home or wherever you are, we're praying. We prayed this morning that everyone would sense God's nearness and be encouraged by the Spirit of God. And I trust that's the case for you already this morning. Uh, I took the list of people signed up today and was, was praying earlier this morning for you and whatever's going on. And that in this gathering today, you'd be strengthened and encouraged and you'd get a, a new sense of God's ability to carry you, to intervene, to give you grace, wisdom, everything you need to live a Christ-honoring life. And so you've been prayed for this morning and I prayed for all of those that would be joining us in online. And if you see me on my phone these days, I don't typically do that, but just, just, just saying, if you see me on my phone, I'm checking in to see how the chat is going. On, on Facebook and, uh, and YouTube, and there's some, uh, some good interaction there too. Um, Chris Crook, loyal Euler fan, was harassed, kind of, a couple of weeks ago by Pastor Joel. Did any of you hear that? Well, um, after that particular weekend, the Oilers lost to, to Joel's beloved flames, but, but, but Chris, maybe you want to come now and make a comment after that game last night, if some of you saw, because um, I don't think if Joel was on the stage right now, he'd be giving Chris that opportunity, right? So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, and I actually uh, got this. I thought I would preach with a mask this morning. Can you see that? The Euler logo and McDavid on there from uh, our caretaker, Rachel, makes these. And uh, so that's just dear to my heart this morning, I feel it's amazing how a night like that, uh, watching a game like that, can just make you feel ready to preach. I'm only partially joking. Well, we're continuing our One Kingdom Disciple series, and uh, it's, it's teaching that is helping us to dismantle any secondary kingdom of our life that we haven't fully let Jesus into to lead or to transform. And there's different seasons of life where we wrestle as Christ followers with, with some of what that is. Today's message is disciple as imitator, becoming like Jesus. And I mean, that, come on, that, that can seem so daunting to any one of us. And I say this occasionally in one-on-one -on -one conversations and from the stage here as well. Just because I have pastor in front of my name doesn't make that growth process in character any easier for me than it does for you. I, I just want you to know that. Imitating Jesus, becoming consistently more like him in how we live, think, speak. It's, it's, it's like the, the young boy who watches his dad Watches what he does, watches what he says. And if you've had kids, you know, I mean, sometimes that's, that's cute, sometimes that's hilarious, sometimes it's a wake-up call, actually. And I've had some of those as my kids were younger, well, even older, being called out in love. It's like the Rodney Atkins song, Watching You. One of the verses of that song says, 
Green light turned straight to red. I hit my brakes and mumbled under my breath. His fries, referring to his son, his fries went flying. His drink covered his lap. Well, my four-year-old said a four-letter word that started with S, and I was concerned. So I said to my son, now, where'd you learn to talk like that? He said, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. You can tell it's a country song, right? Buckaroo, whatever that is. I want to be like you. I want to do everything you do, so I've been watching you. Okay. (laughs) A guy named Paul wrote about half of the New Testament under God's direction. And previously, many of you know, he had been a Jewish religious leader that was attempting violently to stamp out this sect called the Way, Christ followers. But he met Jesus supernaturally himself. You can read about it in the historical book of Acts in chapter 9. Powerful interaction and and coming face to face with Jesus. And so his life was, he became one of the most effective and prolific spreaders of the good news of Jesus in all of history. About 20 years after he met Jesus himself, he wrote to the Christ followers in the city of Corinth, and he said this simple but kind of jarring statement. Um, 1 Corinthians 11.1, he said to that church, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That's an important part there, right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that was not a boastful statement by the Apostle Paul. He just knew that Jesus intends that all of our lives as Christ followers uh, are are to provide an example for others to follow. And, And don't discount that being the case in and through your life. There's probably more people, if you're professing Christ, more people watching you than you realize. There's a work in our lives that the Holy Spirit wants to do uh, in conjunction with our commitment to carry us steadily forward in becoming like Jesus in how we live and speak and act. And and being, uh, as we're saying in this series, uh, being a one kingdom disciple means that in the process of growth in my character, I, I I will give up certain thought patterns, certain spending habits, certain ways that I speak, or anything that is of the kingdom of me, as I referred to in our message, in the message last Sunday, uh, quoting Dallas Willard again, where he said, the biggest competition to the kingdom of God in my life is the kingdom of me. I I get in the way sometimes of Christ-likeness growing in my life. So here's, here's where grace, uh, grace that receiving God's love or expressions of his love that we do not deserve, that's grace. This is, this is where grace that places us into the, the family of God meets, meets grace that enables us to put forth the effort to grow in becoming like the one we say we're following. And again, I quote Dallas Willard from his book, The Great Omission. Grace is opposed to earning, not effort. It's a good statement. Grace is opposed to earning, not effort. In other words, we do not earn grace for salvation. 
We can't do enough to earn eternal salvation. Grace alone, when we express faith in who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and his resurrection. Romans 10, 9, and 10. But on the other hand, not on the other hand, let's put it this way. On the other side of salvation, we can't earn grace for salvation, but on the other side of salvation and receiving that gift by faith, we do exercise effort that's fueled by God's grace to grow in Christ-like character. Nothing inspires effort to become more like Jesus than having a, a deep awareness of the amazing grace that God has shown us by bringing us into his eternal family. The lion's share of this effort that I'm referring to has to do with the, the commitment to some of the spiritual habits that Christ followers through centuries have practiced. And I'll be sharing a message on March 21st about this, so I won't say a whole lot here about it, except a few action steps at the end today. But instead, I want us to focus our thoughts on what God's Word says about what must happen in our inner life so this desired transformation of our thought patterns and thus our character will happen, moving us, again, moving us toward becoming increasingly like Jesus. Our, our PAOC, that, that Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, the fellowship that our church is a part of, uh, our general superintendent, Dave Wells, framed it well in a recent little book that uh, our, our international office produced. The book title, If Jesus, dot, dot, dot. And he, he puts it this way, if Jesus were physically living in Canada today, how would he spend his time, energy, and money? It's a good question. I remember sitting around a, many in, a, in another lifetime, uh, a youth pastor uh, leadership table with, with Dave, and he, he would ask us years ago that question. And, and, and they would say it in, in different ways and, and, and would challenge us as young leaders, as young pastors, to embrace this inner transformation so that we'd live like Jesus if he were in our shoes. I mean, this is, this is stuff that serious... Serious Christ followers, uh, think about and, and, and pray for. And many of you are on that path with me. And I hope that as this message is, is heard by you today, wherever you are, that this desire to grow, to become like Jesus, to honor him and draw people to him, it's the purpose, the motivation. I, I trust that that will become increasingly something that you, that you seek and, and, and pray for in your life and through your life. In the next few minutes, I'm going to share quite a number of New Testament passages, and I strongly encourage you to write them down so you can prayerfully ponder them on your own. If you want to become more like Jesus, these, these passages are foundational and, uh, to, to read and reread and prayerfully ponder. Um, so Romans 8, 29, first of all. Paul tells us that the purpose for which God chose you, a lot of talk about life purpose, and a lot of it is good, but here it is in a brief phrase. Paul tells us, the purpose for which God chose you, if you're a Christ follower, to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus, is what's said there. Plain and simple. Romans 8, 29. So we're talking about something that is, is fundamental, foundational, and a priority for God for our lives. Romans 8, 29 again. To be conformed into the image of his son. God wants us to reflect his character, his love, his grace in this, in this broken world from the place of a fully surrendered heart to him. 
And then a few chapters later in this same letter to Christ followers living in, the, in, the, in, in Rome, he, he writes, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2, first part of verse 2. Two key words, you, you noticed them, you saw them, you heard them. Conform, transform. We can be, you know it, I know it. We can be transformed. Or sorry, we can be conformed to the pattern of the world around us, sometimes too easily. Or we can be transformed, transformed into the image of Jesus. I love the way uh, Philip's Bible paraphrase renders this, um, this do not conform phrase. He puts it, don't let the world squeeze you. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. The, the world has a mold, doesn't it? It sure does. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. I, I like that paraphrase. The world will try, most definitely. The original Greek word that's rendered transformed in Romans 12 too, is a word probably use it every day in your metamorphomu. Interesting sounding word, but probably makes you think of the English metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Ah, okay. Metamorphosis. Yeah, that's the process of alteration in, in character or appearance of something. Probably the most common example be a caterpillar to a butterfly, a beautiful butter, a butterfly. Transformation. That's the, that's, the, that's the word, that's the idea behind this word, being transformed. And for the Christian who wants this inner character metamorphosis, the process starts with understanding what the New Testament says about taking off the old self and putting on. The new self, That's, uh, those are phrases referenced a few times in the New Testament. Taking off the old self with its enticement and tendency towards sin and selfishness uh, and putting on, instead, putting on the, the, the new self. The, the, these, are, these are simply two pictures of what our heart posture and action needs to be in order to experience the inner, inner, inner renovation that God wants to do in us. The, the, the transformation... This, this transformation of character really is what uh, theologians, uh, another uh, word in the New Testament that we don't often uh, hear about, but sanctification, very biblical, very biblical word. It's this, this growth, pro, growth in uh, holiness of character. And holiness is not weird. Some people have made it weird, but it's not. Very simply, it's, it's beautiful and Christ-honoring and life-giving to others because it's character. Christ-like character. That's what holiness is. Living that out. And there's nothing mystical or complicated about the, these uh, actions of, of, uh, of, of, of taking off and putting on. They're, they're, they're simply a reference to the, the two life-altering choices we make on a daily basis, sometimes on a moment-by-moment basis as we live our lives. Of, not, of not, not living in disobedience to God, but rather putting on and living out by asking God for help and, and having awareness and taking God's word into our by, by living out the character of Jesus. And so, so I, I, some examples, I, I, I take off discontentment. I choose, I make a, a mental conscious choice to, 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 to move away from being discontent 
content in life. And I put on gratitude in its place. Gratitude will help more than almost anything than to, to address discontentment in your life, if that's a deal for you. Or I make that, the choice about my attitude and actions. I, I, I take off greed and I put on generosity and take some action step to move that direction. The, the New Testament says uh, that, that where your treasure is, your heart is. Your heart will go. Your heart, it, you'll, you'll go. It might feel uh, chafing to be generous at first, but, but your heart will catch up if you want to become like Christ in your, in your desire, totally. I take off lustful thoughts and put on thoughts that are upright, or I take off the old self and put on the new self in any number of ways. We, 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 we take off worry. We put off worry. We lay worry aside, and we, we, we push back on the worry thoughts that come, and we, we take that off again and again and again, and in its place, we put on trust. It's just by expressing, God, I want to trust you more than I want to worry. I don't want to worry. I want to trust you. I'm taking worry off. I'm walking away. And God, I want to trust you. I'm trusting you now. I'm trusting you every step of the way. And it's that conversation. It's that wrestling that I do. And many of you do. As you grow, as you want to grow to become like Christ. It's, it's, it's conversation with God. That's prayer. part of the taking off and putting on process. And this is what Paul talks about in his letter to Christ followers in Colossians 3. He said in verse 9 and 10, Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, right? So it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Good to go till you get to heaven. No, we're going to be working on this until we get to heaven, right? Which is being renewed. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And this knowledge is not merely an intellectual assent to truth. No. It's, it's, it's a dynamic. It's a relational. It's an experiential uh, um, uh, knowledge of, of God in our lives. A couple of verses down, Paul uh, further builds on this idea of putting on the character of Jesus by giving some specific characteristics that we are to put on, verses 12 to 14. Put on, in, in the New International Version, put on is worded this way, clothe yourselves with, like that, clothe, it's literally showing it, putting it on, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues or characteristics, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's powerful. Paul stresses that, that when we put on Christ Forgiving one another becomes so very possible, which is, which is a great thing and a necessary thing many times in our lives. Back to Romans 12 too. All of this, all of this transformation starts in our minds, in, in, in our thinking, in, in what we allow to occupy our minds. It, it will, it will, that will shape any number of directions, depending on what, in, what we're allowing in our minds, just has such, uh, such powerful shaping influence. What we allow, and, and it's we allow the good, the bad, the ugly thoughts in our minds, right? What we allow to occupy our minds will be what shapes our choices, our habits, our words, our actions, uh, our, our reactions, 
our, our ability to forgive or not. On and on we could go in painting the various moments of life, scenarios of life, either Christ-like character or something that's not that. Starts with what we allow in our minds. Paul stresses the same point that, that character change starts in our minds in, in what we think about. In Philippians 4.8, many of you know that little verse. You, sh- you need to memorize this verse. I would encourage you to. Uh, Philippians 4.8 in the NIV, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, or sorry, right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things, he says. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. God, I'm asking you for help for me to make that my habit daily, till, till it's something I don't even think about anymore. I like the way the New Living Translation words it. It, it says, fix your thoughts. Philippians 4, eight. Fix your, th- fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and on, on the list goes. That's, that's God's instructions for us to have intentional and concentrated focus in our thinking on that which is good and uplifting and God-honoring and life-giving to others, to to ourselves and others. Friends, our our thought patterns matter a lot and, and, and they influence. Absolutely, they influence our character development or the deterioration of it. Paul knew this himself because growth was definitely needed at a certain point in his life. Many of you have read uh, his honest expressions of his own challenge in this when he wrote in Romans 7 and uh, verse 19 words that probably all of us can relate to. Uh, He said, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. You can hear as you read that passage and the other verses around it, you can hear his frustration and and he's just, he's at at his wit's end as, as some of us have been. Sometimes, honest words from, from the Apostle Paul. So, you, so, so don't, don't you give up, my Christian friend. You're, you're not alone in your struggle to grow more consistent in living out the loving, compassionate, grace-filled character of Jesus, which is described well for us by Paul. Yes, him again, um, uh, but, but a different letter in, in, to yet another group of Christ followers in the ancient region of Galatia. But, but still so applicable to us. It's the description of what God wants to produce in us. It's referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. And, and again, many of you know that reference. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not necessarily an exclusive, complete list, but a great place to start. It's probably a lifetime of work there, of effort, by God's grace enabling us, right? Continuing on, uh, verse 24 and 25 of this Galatians 5 chapter, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. It says, that's dead to me. Since we are living by the Spirit, capital S, God, the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Growth in these character qualities definitely requires the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. And and that that tag itself, the, the fruit of the Spirit, 
implies that it's, it's an outcome of his supernatural work, of course. And yet, having said that, the Bible also makes it clear that we are, we are not passive in the process of increasingly displaying these character qualities, the fruit of the Spirit. Again, Dallas Willard wisely uh, brings to our attention that, that we, we, can't go around the, uh, we can't get around the fact that, that growing to become more like Jesus takes commitment and effort on our part. He writes, of course, without grace, we can do nothing. But the grace we need fuels our efforts. Again, he says, grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. And remember the difference there. We can't earn salvation, but the grace we need as we put in the effort to become like Christ is there for us. And that's exactly, as a matter of fact, what Peter was saying in 2 Peter 1, uh, verse 5 and following. He says, Peter actually uses this word. Make, he's talking to Christians. Make every effort to add to your faith. Faith is the starting place. Step across that line, trust in Christ, surrender our life, follow him. We count the cost. So we say, Jesus, I don't care what it costs. You love me most and know me best. I'm going to follow you all my life and into eternity. I'm committing, I, I have stepped into this relationship that is eternal and personal by faith. Okay, so Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and on and on. I'll let you read that for time's sake. The, the, the passage goes on to explain what we're, what we're to put effort toward in becoming like Jesus. And again, we're not passive in this transformation process. One of the, one of the best efforts, as we wrap up here, and a, and a primary strategy, really, to, to clothe ourselves, to use that New Testament phrase, with, uh, with the thoughts and attitudes and speech and behaviors of Jesus, is... Scripture memory. Scripture memory. My grandma knew this. When I was very young, you've heard me maybe say, if you've been around Eagle Mom for a while, she, she led me in memorizing Scripture, and, and Psalm 23 was, was one of the ones she loved. And, and as a very young boy, I was reciting that with her, and I'm so grateful for that heritage. Some of you don't have that family history, but you can start a new trajectory in love for God's Word and Bible memory whether with your kids or future grandkids or grandkids now, whatever the case may be. And you'll hear about this again, March 21st message, but I, I, I can't conclude this message without application steps related to the habit of Bible memory and taking God's word into your heart and mind for, for, for transformation. And these actually are, these points, these four action steps that I'm going to share with you actually come out of my discipleship notes from the church renewal group uh, mentoring group that I shared with you last Sunday that I'm, that I'm a part of since September for basic, basic uh, steps. Sometimes we don't step into the basics, do we? Oh, here's an opportunity. Action step number one, pray for a desire to memorize Scripture. Don't, don't wait for the desire to be there. Pray as you begin. The synergy of both will, will cause that to happen. Pray for the desire because, yes, memorization of Scripture is hard work. Especially if you're older. And I'm going to leave the definition of older to you, okay? But I know that <laughs> element uh, from personal experience. I know that challenge. 
I understand it. I, I was working on Bible memory several days ago, and, and, and that particular morning, um, I, I was struggling with my concentration level, even more than normal these days. I'm fi- finding that to be the case. But, but on this particular morning, I, I just could not grasp what was, you know, to repeat it. And I, I actually started getting, getting frustrated in, in those moments, just like quite, quite frustrated. Yeah, I, I was getting ticked off while I was working at growing the character of Jesus in me. Bug me. Yeah, it is what it is sometimes, right? Don't be discouraged. Please, please, please don't say, I can't memorize. If I offered you a hundred bucks for every little verse you memorized this next week, I dare say that you'd make a few hundred bucks off me. Just to be clear, that's a hypothetical scenario, okay? God already knows how important it is for us to take his word into our hearts. Read Psalm 119.11. Your word have I hidden, hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God knows it's important. So if we ask him for the desire, he will do, he will, he will plant that in us. Action step two, choose scripture verses intentionally. In other words, some that bring comfort and encouragement, important, but other verses that, that intentionally are chosen to help propel you in your spiritual growth and your, and, and your engagement in the mission of Jesus. And, and let me know if you want kind of a multivitamin uh, package of, of, of scriptures to memorize. I'd, I'd be happy to, to help you with that if you want some, some, uh, some input. Action step three, start small, but start. Start small, but, but start. If you memorized one verse per month, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's one. You could do that. You could do that. If you did one a month, maybe you'd have memorized 12 more Bible verses this year than, than you did last year. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you learned 12 last year or more. And you could add to what you've done. Start small, but start. Action step four, choose a tool. Um, it might be a memorization journal. It, it might be a color coding in your, in your Bible with highlighters, different, different verses, different colors, for, you know, yellow for the comfort and, you know, and, and whatever bold color for those verses that just kind of take the world kind of verses, whatever, or, or recipe cards. Years ago, and I, I pulled, I haven't for a while, but occasionally over the years, I pull out these old ones that I had when in my 20s, recipe cards that all these scriptures, just a stack of them that I would memorize. And Certainly in this day, there's, there's apps, and I downloaded one recently. They usually take me a while to figure out because I'm determined to not ask Brennan again for help. I'm going to do it on my own, but we'll see how that plays out for me in terms of a, a tool. I'm saying get a tool, find a tool, find a way that works for you in memorizing. It'll add structure to a purposeful and meaningful endeavor, okay? Now, I hope the motivation and purpose behind all this is clear. Don't confuse the effort that we're talking about that 2 Peter refers to 
Don't, don't, don't confuse the effort put into growing your character with the unbiblical idea that this will help you get to heaven. Yes, it'll solidify your spiritual, your spiritual life, of, of course, but it's not in doing that you earn a place in heaven is what I'm saying. No, grace, grace is opposed to that. Grace is opposed, God's grace is opposed to earning, the idea of earning. You don't earn your way to heaven. But grace is not opposed to effort in the growth process of becoming like Jesus in our character. I know I've said that a few times this morning, but I, I did so intentionally. It's very important. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, you can today. Today you can begin by expressed faith and trust in Jesus and saying, God, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you sent your son. Jesus, I thank you that you came voluntarily to take upon yourself the penalty of sin, which belonged to me, but you stepped in so that I could live free and eternal with my creator. Talk to God like that. He'll hear you and he'll bring you into, by his grace, unmerited favor, he will bring you into his eternal family. As a matter of fact, I want in this gathering here for you to Close your eyes and bow your heads, if you would, in this, in this moment that, that might be for some a decision-making moment. And I want you to hear, if, if you've never committed your life to Christ, I want you to hear two verses, one that I just mentioned, but another one that I referenced and didn't read. But I want you to hear these two verses from the New Testament. John 14, 6 again. Jesus said, Jesus said this, not me. So if you have an issue with the exclusivity of this, you've got an issue with Jesus, and you'll have to figure that out. And you can. There's ways to verify that what Jesus said was accurately, historically recorded in Scripture in the New Testament. Grace, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, saved from yourself, from the eternal consequence of sin, which is separation from God, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And so as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if there's anybody in this place this morning, or you're watching online, text the word Jesus that you'll see on the number in, in just a moment. But in this room right now, if there's someone that would say, I, I want to step into a relationship with Jesus. I want to place my trust in Christ. I want to surrender to him. He loves me most and knows me best. And I want to live with him and for him from now and throughout eternity. I want you to just raise your hand and look my way. I'm not going to single you out. I just want to, I just want to Connect with our eyes and see your, the expression in your heart. If there's anybody like that here this morning that is making that decision. Many, most have, have made that decision. So you're among friends. It's not that you have this all figured out, but you want to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life today. Is there anybody that would indicate that that's your desire this morning? Father, I thank you. And most of us in this room, thank you. Maybe all of us. And those watching who know you personally, thank you, God, for the grace you've shown in sending Jesus for us to make our eternity sure with you. Thank you that comes through Jesus alone and what he did on the cross and rising from the dead to prove his power over sin and death and destruction. 
We thank you for that gift of your grace. And as Christ followers, we just declare our desire to lean into your grace and to put in the effort to grow our character to become more like the one we are following, Jesus Christ, so that our lives would reflect your love and grace and point people to a loving God every day, in every conversation, in every situation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And again, if you made a decision to follow, follow Christ, you can just text the word Jesus to the number you see. That will give us opportunity to come alongside and support you. And whether you're, and if you're not watching this live, you can still text that number, and we'd love to make contact and just, uh, just be a, a help and encouragement to you. God bless you. Thanks for opening your heart to God's word.